by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Welcome into another week of Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. We have uh, made an end to yet another season, Janet, as it's early hunting season. What we got some um, elk and antelope and maybe a little mule deer deer action happening and all yes. kinds of fun. Yes, it has been a fun couple of weeks, but um, as we get some of these cooler nights kind of coming in, it, it's likely to pick up a little bit. Just this past week, I was talking to someone that is a regular listener of the show and drew his first licenses for uh, Area Seven. To do some elk hunting. And he said he he learned a lot of what he needs to know through what we talk about here. But a lot of these areas are so public that so many people hunt here. There are some things that I'd like to get Brian in on to kind of cover so that people know what's not okay to do. Oh, that's a good call. And we're really glad that Brian's here to help oh, with that because he knows all about what is good and what is bad. Because it just so happened, I don't know how I was around so many guys that were so jazzed up about the, the season coming that they were reminiscing about last year's hunts where they kind of would go in early enough, but then they could hear people talking right next to them because so many people are going into these areas to try to, to score that big bull or the, the cow, and they want to get the heads up on everybody else. They want to have that leg up. And, and Brian, some of the things that people use to get that leg up doesn't really work here in Wyoming. You're probably right. So let's hear what they had to say, Drew. Uh, one was baiting. I guess they were talking to someone about putting bait out so that they can hunt over that. And that obviously is not a good thing to do here in Wyoming. I think they may have been coming from Kansas or, or somewhere like that where it is okay. Yeah, most of your southeastern states, south southeastern states allow some sort of baiting. But in Wyoming, we don't allow any baiting um, that would be specifically put out to actually, um, you know, attract uh, big game animals um, for hunting purposes. So it's illegal in Wyoming, 100%. What about if it's not season? Can you put put food out during the uh, the off season for, for elk and antelope? Not specifically to draw big game in for hunting purposes, if that makes sense. So it's not illegal to feed wildlife, as in feed big game, in most parts of the state. Um, there are some counties that, um, Jenny, you can help me. I think Teton County is illegal to feed feed big game. Well, there's lots of local ordinances, you know, like in cities and and different places like that. So just know where you are if you're choosing to do that. But it's just not a good practice because oftentimes if you're doing those things, whether you're doing it to harvest an animal, which obviously is illegal, or if you're doing it outside of the season, sometimes that congregation of um, animals around feed can help spread things like diseases. And depending on the time of year that you're doing it, things like EHD, epizootic hemorrhagic disease is easily spread. Um, if, if, and if you're encouraging that closeness of animals, that may not be the best um, thing to do. And of course, this time of year is when we, we've we been talking about lately about those people feeding wildlife, attracting bears uh-huh. and also mount lions to their property. And people get kind of concerned about that. And then also it actually also attracts, you know, more skunks and raccoons and some of those other 
critters that you don't want hanging out at your house either. So, or by your property. And, and I feel like maybe because we know that it's illegal that we just assume that everyone knows that, but I mean, even putting bird feeders out, you know, we talked about this before, you know, the summertime when the bears were starting to get up and around that just that kind of feeding could cause some issues. You think about, you know, fair chase and ethics and all sorts of things. And I know that it's it's different in a lot of other states, but that's kind of the way that we roll here in Wyoming is don't bait if you're big game hunting. Uh, putting up game cameras and trail cameras to kind of monitor what's going on in the general area that they would like to hunt. But again, being public area, but what's the situation when it comes to the cameras? Well, that's, that's a great question because um, game cameras, there's you know more than one type. So yes, you can use game cameras and you can use them on public land as long as it's a, a camera that only can store um, your photos and your videos internally. And they, they don't, the ones that are, you can't use that are illegal, are the ones that um, allow you to uh, retrieve those um, through either Wi-Fi or through your cell phone towers, those are illegal to use. So the ones that you can store internally, like with the, with the card or something in there that just stores those images internally, you can use those year round during the hunting season. You can use them on public land, but just remember that um, that's not your camera. I mean, somebody could just come by and take it um, type of thing. So just by uh, somebody must have just left it here for me or something like that. Right. So just be aware that, you know, if you are using them on public land, um, that you should be aware that uh, you better hide it pretty good or put it in a location where um, somebody's not going to just take it, take it from you. And if it's not radiating a, a cellular signal, it's okay to use. Yes. As long as you're not pulling those images off there via your cell phone or from the internet at home, um, that's those, those cameras are illegal to be used, uh, for big game hunting. Uh, and then one more is obviously a lot of uh, these hunters like to get in there as early as possible. Uh, so the spotlighting was, uh, something that was brought up during the same conversation. I don't, I must've been hanging around some thugs. Because... Uh, yeah, bandits maybe. Or relatives. <laughs> yeah, or relatives. <laughs> <laughs> What's the situation with that? I mean, Obviously, you're going to have a flashlight most of the time, but that's a lot different than riding around spotting animals. Yeah, totally different. Totally different. Yeah. And, you know, I can see where people are probably, you know, your the folks that you're visiting with are probably coming from is it does help you just see where they are. Um, but we do have shooting hours and they're not at night. Um, they are from, you know, dusk to dawn. And they're that reason, you know, we want to make um, clean ethical shots when we harvest our animals. And there's a lot of wounding potential. If you are using a spotlight, you know, it is helpful to kind of get the eye shine so that you can see, you know, where the animals might be, where they're coming out to feed, those sorts of things. But again, we want to go back to fair chase and we want to make sure that that we're doing things ethically correct um, and that we're we're doing everything that we can to make this a fair chase for the game. And, and we don't want to, hot, you know, use spotlights to freeze them so that they can't see what's going on. We don't want to, you know, shoot them in the in the the dark hours that that it is not not legal. So you know, keeping those things in mind are pretty important. And if you feel that it's wrong, it's probably wrong. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't know, um, you can just call your local game warden or call the game and fish office, and we'd be glad to help you out if there's some other 
questions that you might have on what's legal or not legal, um, coming to Wyoming for the first time or just being new to the state, just call us. We'll, we'll help you out. We want you to be legal. We want you to be successful. And we're here to help you out uh, to make that happen. Awesome. Well, uh, this whole conversation has been debunked. So I hope that uh, these folks that I was talking with are listening today so that they know and everyone else knows because, you know, sometimes you just kind of forget things, it seems. That's right. And if they don't trust us, they can always call Drew. Yeah. And they can use Drew. And then Drew said, hey, this is my friend that's asking the question. So it's all good. <laughs> Air quotes. Friend. Yeah, there you go. No, it's, it's you know, just remember, if you think that it might not be right, don't make the shot. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Welcome back. It's Drew and Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And boy, Brian, we're into the second half of a lot of hunting seasons. Elk season has opened back up for a lot of people that uh, just came off the split. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of people kind of replenishing, uh, maybe rethinking their original plan where if they uh, had a a bull tag that maybe is going to be turning into a cow tag the second half of the season, but, uh, and you know, still general seasons open as well. So a lot of people just kind of restocking and, uh, re refiguring out the uh, plan B. You know, you were talking that, you know, people are coming into the store now and like you said, restocking and, and planning differently, but you're finding that a lot of guys that maybe go further away are coming back and just trying to hunt in this general area. Yeah, um, I think there's still a few general areas in our in our neck of the woods that uh, have guys have been seem to be pretty successful. I mean, we're selling the heck out of game bags, and they must be using them for something. Yeah, yeah. you know, I've seen a, a lot of videos and, and pictures of young people out mm-hmm. getting their first bull, or uh, I saw a picture of a, a dad and son that had never really been hunting before, and they right. got it. And uh, when people are going out for the first time, it could be a little bit confusing, and you never really know exactly what you need. But if somebody comes into Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, they're definitely going to know by the time they leave what they need. Well, that's the nice part about, you know, we kind of talked about how hunting and fishing kind of brings groups of people together or people that really yeah. maybe didn't really know you had common interest. And, uh, you know, there's uh, Bob out there at Riverbend Roosters. Uh, his uh, son just uh, shot a bull um, on the backside of Muddy this last week. And, I mean, kudos to the, the gentleman that took him out because, you know, the that individual that took his son out, Bob was uh, out uh, doing some guiding up in uh, Gillette area this last week with some birds. And uh, one, of, one of his mutual friends invited him to take him out, his son out, and uh, ended up getting this bull. And, and uh, they had access through some private property. But, you know, there's, there's somebody that, you know, is taking time out of their day for not their own son to – Give, give him a, you know, a different viewpoint of how maybe, you know, he hunts differently than his dad. And, uh, you know, be able to get a, somebody young out in the field and to be successful. I mean, it's just huge kudos to anybody that, that you know, has spends time with youth or volunteers or gives up their own time or their own access to their own property to, to let someone uh, have a, an experience of a lifetime where they maybe it's their first time out. When uh, my girlfriend moved here a year ago, it's been a year now, but she had never really been around guns or, or firearms and everything. Mm-hmm. And I know that I could tell her one thing, but we went out to Stuckenhoffs with you know other people that right. they showed her how to you know hold the gun right and how to discharge it right. And, right. and then she automatically came in here and just looked at the gun aisle 
and the, the gun cases for such a long time because, you know, you got that interest burning. It's very interesting because, like, you know, I've got a family members over in California that my sister moved there after college, and she's got a, a son, and uh, he's, you know, 18 now, 17 now, but he's been out to Wyoming a handful of times, and you know, it, it's interesting to think that we take a lot of things for granted. You know, we right. we see turkeys in the street. We see deer crossing the street. We see <laughs> antelope. And, you know, he, he just couldn't believe that these antelope were just out wandering around. Like, how come they're not, like, caged up? And, like, I mean, like, just was really weird. And so you got people from different cultures that really haven't experienced things. And it's just kind of like gun owners, right? You've got a lot of people like, oh, I'm so anti-gun. Well, there are also people that probably have never grew up in a gun community, right. gun family, or a gun environment, right? And so, you know, you know, we've got a lot of guns on our walls that have that have never committed a crime, you know. Right. So it's not the it's not so much the gun, but to to educate people. And I know you did some training with with the gentleman out there at Stuck and Offs, and you know, to be able to handle a gun and have somebody to walk you through and talk to you about how to handle guns. Is, is is pretty awesome and no different than a hunting scenario somebody's got to take you that first time yeah you know and uh it's interesting that you know a lot of people are um learning the ropes through youtube right or, their, or a hunting channel and some of the hunting channels may, may be pretty realistic but you know there's we do a lot of bird hunting and I've got a young gentleman that lives in the neighborhood and and we took him out goose hunting last year and he's like well if the geese are going to come downwind from us and into us, aren't they going to smell us? And I'm like, well, it's not like elk hunting. We, <laughs> yeah. we don't have to worry right. about that. But, you know, he's been watching so many YouTube videos about what to do, what not to do for elk. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, that doesn't matter in this case. And so I never would have thought about that. I'm like, I don't know. Can they smell us? Nah, they can't smell us. <laughs> <You know? laughs> when I first started duck hunting, I was – 18 you know mm -hmm. just got out of high school and all my buddies duck hunted my whole life but i never had the time and to go out that first time with guys that have been doing it for 25 years you know yeah. and then coming here it had been a while since i had hunted and you know you were able to take me out and and i did some some good hunting and you know it's just fun to do that and learn off of people that do it all the time and if you don't have what you need or you don't know what you need coming in and and buying it here and finding it here you can do it within an hour you're you're set up and, and ready to go yeah and you know i like when i'm talking to somebody that's that's looking at buying a, a firearm or that they're starting to you know start elk hunting and, and you know i like to kind of give them you know my experience but at the same time you know i try to try to figure out how they're going to be hunting you know i mean if a, if a guy's going to be duck hunting public public waters and you know what's the best you know way to bring in a, a spread of decoys how many do you think you could use what what type of shotgun do you think is best you know what kind of um shot is best to use it's all going to be dependent on you know whether you're shooting over decoys or whether you're just pass shooting and you know there's there's a lot of things that questions that kind of have to be asked of, of how somebody plans to use the tool that you're that you're looking right. at selling. So. Well, and we last time we were out goose hunting, we were talking about you know the ranges of the shot and mm -hmm. you know what you're what you're shooting for, and you know guys are trying to shoot you know fifty yards on on a shot that you know isn't made for fifty yards. So right. you know making sure you have the proper tools for the job. Is always a good deal, and you can get it here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, and you can start your shopping at the website, which is very informative, and you can buy stuff right online. 
Yeah, you know, last month we had an awful lot of people that actually jumped on that website. So I think people were kind of surprised of what they can actually locate there. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily give you the in-store inventory. Um, but a lot of times we do carry the items that are on that website. But however, the website has a million different items, literally a million different items where, you know, in the store we might only have 50,000. Right. So, uh, yeah, check it out. I mean, uh, it's a good way to kind of just pre-plan, especially as you're going into Christmas. You know, we've got layaway programs. So if there's a, maybe a little bit larger uh, purchase than what you had originally anticipated, this would give you an opportunity to, you know, maybe make, you know, five $50 payments before Christmas and have it paid off where it's not going to, you know, break your bank all at once. Well, get out here and check it out and you can go check it out. RockyMountainDiscountSports.com is where you go find them online. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. And we're back. It's Drew and Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And, Brian, it's that time of year. Things are kind of firing back up. We had a little lull for a little bit. The birds are kind of flying and moving around, and elk are running, and, boy, it's just a good time. And the fish are still swimming. Isn't that great? I mean, it's like I was talking to another friend of mine this week. It's like, man, I don't it's going to be like 60 degrees next tomorrow. Like, what am I going to do? Do I don't go chase pheasants? Am I going to go, am I going to go uh, walleye fishing or what? You know, I still got an elk tag to kill. Like, what do we do? You know, the weather was kind of, it is great here right now. And it was cold and snowy up North. So it's kind of pushed a lot of the, the migrating birds this way. Yeah. I mean, if you've been outside, you probably heard a bunch of snow geese uh, moving through. I've, I've seen some flocks of cranes kind of passing through. So yeah, it's uh, this is the time of year. Things are things are getting moving. Of course, you know you got to put a little time in for the honeydews as well. You yeah, know, right. Now all these dang leaves are on the ground, so yeah. we got to. You, you say know, four hours you spent? Uh, probably leaves? closer to six by the time I was done. You know, nineteen bags of mulched uh, leaves out of my backyard. It's uh, like just horrible. It's times, times like that, you're like, I need a lawn boy. I, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or just more kids or something. Yeah, right. I don't know. There's got to be a neighborhood kid around there that <laughs> wants to go out on a fishing trip. You uh, bribe him yeah, with that. I almost oh, called I, Noah. I almost called Noah, but you know, I didn't want to ruin him. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a little bit, and I, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago, actually. If you're bird hunting and the shot size mm-hmm. and the distances that you should shoot at certain shot sizes sure. and let's kind of run over that a little bit because i don't know that we've ever really talked about that before on the show but you know if someone is out <clears throat> and they have a, a bigger shot number mm-hmm. that will go further right because you have less bbs in the i don't, I don't know i don't would say you're gonna have a better opportunity at a further bird um yeah. because you're still basically what's going to happen is at the, at the longer distance, your pat, your shot pattern is going to get wider, right? So, uh, as an example, if you're shooting uh, BBs out of a 12 gauge shotgun, I think you have about 90, 90 pellets in, of BBs inside there. So that's saying that your optimum pattern at 30 yards is going to be, you know, majority of those BBs are going to be inside of that 30 inch circle at 30 yards. Well, as it goes further, those BBs spread out wider and wider. But, you know, if you have like a number six shot, you know, there's going to be, I'm just throwing a number out. I don't know offhand, but let's say you're going to have 230 pellets inside of that same, same, um, circumference so at 30 yards now majority of those pellets are going to be in that 30 inch circle so that means that 
that that pattern is going to be so much tighter in that 30 30 inch circle and the opportunity to actually knock something down is going to be greater because there's more pellets in that concentrated area and so especially when you're talking like big birds like geese you know uh, we used to always think that we needed bigger shot size to actually break the wing or knock those birds down well now you know we're shooting 28 gauges we're running tungsten loads and we're killing geese at 60 70 yards um, but we're using number eight and number nine shot because there's you know 250 pellets inside of a little 28 gauge and there's more pellets and we're having more kill shots because there's more bbs potentially hitting a head or you know knocking a bird down that way so um it, it all kind of depends like i mean typically you know most guys shooting uh at pheasants are going to be running five and six shot uh ducks fours fives um sixes uh geese I really prefer two shot, especially over decoys. But a lot of guys that are uh, pass shooting will run BBs or uh, triple BBs, possibly. Um, doves, you know that kind of stuff. The smaller birds, they're you know a lot of guys are running you know six or seven and a half shot. Just uh, the bigger the number, the more. The bigger the, the bigger the number, uh, the smaller the pellet. Right, and then so the more that you can fit in, into a shell. Correct, so, yep. And, and it really is a science, you know, along the line, years and years and years, research and just being out shooting things, and people, mm-hmm. you know, like my grandpa was a gimmicker, so he would go <laughs> out in the garage and be like, well, how can I adjust this and make it better? Sure. It's really all that they've done, and they've just improved, 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 and like the tungsten load that you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago, they wouldn't have been something that maybe was thought of it was known for turkey hunters yeah you know and they and it and it, and it is more expensive so you know we're, we're kind of hand loading that stuff um and the, but there are some some heavier loads like you know the bismuth or heavy x or some different other manufacturers that are making some some uh shot that's not quite lead not as heavy as lead but real comparable uh the problem with steel is that it's just so light you know so the wind, wind will affect that shot a little bit more. Um, it's a little harder on barrels, especially older guns. You don't really want to shoot a lot of steel because the steel that they're generating now is is a, a harder steel than they were using back in the barrel days. So it can wear, wear a ba- barrel out a little bit. Um, and then you also have to be careful with the, any of that uh, steel or non-toxic loads. Uh, they don't compress like uh, lead does. So if you're you know, have an old shotgun that doesn't have choke tubes and like, you know, the old Remingtons that had just a fixed uh, full chokes. You try to run um, a, a non-toxic shot through there, a steel shot through a full barrel. There's a good chance you're going to uh, split your barrel or, or blow up your barrel. Really? So as the times have changed, the things have improved, but also, you know, it, it's different. You know, you almost have to have a, a brand new shotgun if you're going to try some more modern type of, you know. Depending on what you're doing. I mean, those old shotguns running lead, you know, if you're going to shoot your old Remington 870 that doesn't have, you know, it's got a fixed uh, choke in it, you know, you're fine running steel or uh, lead out of that, you know, especially if you're going to go pheasant hunting. Unfortunately, if you want to go duck hunting, you have to run steel. So right. uh, you, you run into some, some issues there. Well, and, and I really think that you know, we were just talking about the fact that if you go out with other hunters that have been doing this long enough mm-hmm. that maybe you have an old shotgun, they can help you get through those kind of scenarios. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of a, 
live and learn kind of scenario on you know what what the best shot is for different different scenarios yeah. and and different different birds but um you know pretty typically when i'm chasing pheasants i'll run a five or a six shot i don't really seem to notice anything different really uh i was out the other day and with a friend and uh i was shooting my 28 gauge and i was just running like fiochi number five shot i believe and i i shot a pheasant at about I don't know, 50 or 60 yards. And he's like, holy cow, I didn't think that 28 gauge could shoot that far. I'm like, well, I let it probably three to five foot. You know, I was right. I was right in front of it and it knocked it down like, like just like any, like a 12 gauge would. So a lot of it's just shot placement. And, you know, typically with waterfowl and even pheasants, you know, the biggest problem is being behind a bird, you know, and it doesn't really, if it doesn't matter if you're running a three inch shell or a three and a half inch shell, if you're behind it, you're still behind you're it. You're going to miss it yeah. more than likely. But, and that really is a, if before you go out, maybe for the first time, going to shoot out at Bob's, you know, the, mm-hmm. the clay course or yeah. something like that, that gives you real good working knowledge of, you know, how you're going to shoot, how your gun's going to shoot. Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, a lot of guys don't do that are shotgunners is that, you know, they don't pattern their guns. You know, and so if you got the opportunity and you, you know, can take out a piece of cardboard, draw yourself a 30 inch circle, take it out, you know, 30 yards and say, OK, let's for one, let's see how this shotgun is shooting. You know, I, I shoot a couple of Benelli's that I just don't shoulder very good that um, I tend to shoot a little high. And so it kind of works for me because I like to see the bird above my uh, my 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 front bead Mm -hmm. and so i'm usually i'm right dead on on those birds especially if they're rising on me but um if you don't if you don't go out and you know throw it up against a piece of cardboard and see you know how it's shooting uh and then you know bring out some extra chokes you know do an improved cylinder bring a cylinder bore you know uh, try the different shot that you think you're going to use in the field and see how it's patterning I think for one one thing it does for me is it, it helps me build a little confidence because I, I'm kind of envisioning in my head, this is what my shot's doing, there's the bird, and this is what I need to do. You know, we were talking a little bit about how overwhelming it could be going out maybe for the first time on a duck hunt or a goose hunt. And we went out a, a couple of weeks ago uh, with Kelsey, who it was her first goose hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, she was a little intimidated and you could see that, but she also asked questions and mm-hmm. and really followed through with the, you know, the, the entire process. Yeah, well, she's uh, she's no slouch to a shotgun. So, I mean, she's, yeah. she's uh, shot a shotgun plenty of times and on sporting clays and, and, and pheasants. So... Uh, but it is a little bit different scenario when you're in a layout blind and you, you yeah. know, have to flip open the lid and then lean forward and, you know, shoot from a sitting position as opposed to leaning into it when you're standing up. You know, and that's something that a lot of people don't practice is no. sitting on the ground. Uh-huh with a shotgun in your arms right we, sh- we probably should do that more often but yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't miss as much as we did that day that's for sure <laughs> well i'll tell you if you have any questions like that it's always great to come in here to rocky mountain discount sports and you know maybe you want to find out more about that shot you can do that right here get in here and check them out it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors it's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. What a great show we've got for you this week. Of course, uh, always talking to veterans on this program, and uh, we always like to do that because of what they've gone through and what they've done for our country, and we've got another one today. Charles Clarkston, who a uh, buddy of mine, also known as Bud, and a lot of folks listening this morning know Bud. Uh, Bud, you've been out here for a, a couple of years now, and what do you think of living in Wyoming? I really enjoy being out here. The outdoors is awesome. Love this weather. I was stationed in Alaska for three years, so uh, I really like living out here. 
So you spent some time in the the army, and then you spent a lot more time in the reserves after that. Can you give us a little background of your service? Yeah, sure. Um, I spent nine years active duty uh, in the army. I was a airborne paratrooper, infantryman, two tours in the eighty second, and a tour in Alaska for uh, three years. After that, I decided to uh, get out of active duty and join the guard in North Carolina. When you went uh, to the Guard, you kind of shifted gears from jumping out of planes to kind of taking care of some of the choppers. Yeah, airborne's really uh, hard on your body. And yeah, I I shifted over to uh, working on Blackhawks for uh, seven years, total of 12 in the Guard. I was a crew chief, full-time technician, so I worked on them five days a week and got to fly on them also. Which had, it's got to be pretty cool. You you didn't go back to Iraq on the Black Hawk, and you were uh, in the green zone uh, carrying around some some generals. Yeah, back in uh, 2011, we did go over uh, for six months, and uh, we were in Baghdad, and uh, we were flying the four stars and three star generals around Iraq. Obviously, you know that's a huge part of what our military does. Is you got to take care of the the people that are leading and and I'm sure throughout your tenure in the military you uh, you got to experience some things that were great some things that were not so great and you know and then you moved to Wyoming to experience something that's extremely great yeah I mean you, you have your good days and your bad days uh, with anything you do but yeah I, I enjoy it and I do miss being in the military some days and then other days you know I just I wake up and I look outside and See the beautiful sky out here, and I just I just love every bit of being in Wyoming. One of the things that brought you out here, other than the the weather, was you enjoy hunting and and being outdoors. And you and I have spent a lot of time out at the Steckenhoffs doing some shooting, and uh, you know we've been on some ad- adventures. And you've had a chance, being that you're ex-military and a veteran then you've had a chance to to work with folks like uh, the Hunting with Heroes and HD Outdoors. And, and those experiences have got to be pretty cool for you, especially coming from the East Coast and, and coming right out and getting involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hunting with Heroes, it was really, really cool to go out and get to hunt with them and see what their their organization's nonprofit is about. Uh, HD as well. Before I left for Africa, I got a mule deer tag and uh, got to hunt with them. And- right. Yeah. And I know, you know, Dan and uh, with uh, Hunting with Heroes and uh, Lindsay with HD Outdoors, they do everything that they can for the veterans. And I know they have a lot of get togethers. And that's got to be kind of a, a cool bonding session. I know you and I went out to Riverbend Roosters and uh, on one of the, uh, the Friday night uh, Clays for the Brave. Where they, you know, they they kick back and they shoot clays and they really just allow guys like you, the veterans, to to come together and and really bond and and I know that for you that that has a special meaning. You know, I went hunting with uh, heroes. I mean, you had veterans from all over the U.S. come out and guys from the Marine Corps, the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy, and women too. You get to bond with them. You get to talk to them after the hunt, have a dinner, and and you get that that cohesion again. And just like HD, I mean, it's the same thing. You get to meet other veterans. So yeah, it's it's a really good uh, experience. I recommend you know you know veterans do that. 
because it's just a great time for everybody. It's nice to, to see that and nice to know that here in Wyoming, there are a lot of groups, HD Outdoors, Hunting with Heroes, and we encourage you to, to go reach out to any of these organizations and get part of it. And you never know what you're going to do when you uh, meet up with these guys because, Bud, when you went hunting with heroes, uh, you got a chance to win uh, African Safari through a, a raffle. You you went through a raffle. You bought some tickets, and uh, you were the name drawn out on this. And tell me a little bit about this safari you went on. Uh, it was uh, donated. I think it was donated from Herman, who who owns it. It was a hunt for two. There was uh, two impala males, a water buck, and a wildebeest, a blue wildebeest. You got a chance to to fly out and uh, and pick up your your buddy that you took with you in New Orleans, and then you made the journey from New Orleans to Dallas, and Dallas to London, and London to South Africa to go on this five day. Event, I guess we can call that adventure. Yeah, I call it an adventure. It's an adventure of a lifetime. When you finally got to South Africa, how did the trip go from then on? We uh, got out to where he was. We loaded up and we had a three and a half, four hour trek north. To Man, that's got to be rough after a ten hour flight. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was really tiresome. So then, after that uh, three and a half hour ride, it was late, and you got a little sleep. Then you got up and started the hunt early, didn't you? Yeah, we well, we tried to sleep. I mean, we got there about three thirty in the morning. By the time we got to our location, the adrenaline, I guess, was still pumping because I really didn't get a lot of sleep. So then you got out on the first day, and did you get anything on the first day, or, or did it was it a, a shutout? Well, my buddy went with his hunting guide and his professional hunter, and then I went out with the owner and the professional hunter that he has that goes out with him. We hunted that morning, saw a couple herds of, you know, zebras and stuff like that, and we were trying to find, you know, like an impala male or a warthog. We're driving up and down the roads. We're looking for animals, and then he's like, I see a water buck up there, and I was like, okay. We stopped, and we got off the truck, and we walked up. He's like, just let him, just take your time. He'll come out of the brush, and you'll have a good shot. And it was like a 75, 50, 75-yard shot. I shot him at an angle. He maybe went 10 yards, and he hit the ground. On the first day, the second part of the first day? I would say it was about 4 o'clock. I mean, it wasn't long after we got back on the truck and was driving around, and uh, we got that water buck. And I was thought, all right, we're, we're done for today. He's like, oh, no, we're not done. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going back. You know, I'm I'm going to get some decent rest. And he's like, no, we're we're hunting. It was about 6 o'clock, well, about 6, 30, 7 o'clock. It was getting dark, uh, dusky. And he's like, okay, let's go. And we pull out on the road, and we're driving. And we look over, and there's a big warthog inside the compound oh, that, we, that we were at. We had already just, you know, decided we we're heading back. And that, that was one of the things you wanted to, to have a chance at anyway. At first, yeah, that that was a big uh, animal that I wanted to put on the wall. I mean, he was a pretty good-sized warhog. He was a good male. We got back to the, the lodge and everything, and we, we hung out that evening, had some drinks, and they have bonfire. and it was, it was fun. And then the next day we got up, and we decided we were going to hunt us, all four of us. So we loaded up in one truck and went out and uh, different farm different area and uh, 
my buddy, he uh, he shot a warthog, but right when he shot, the warthog saw him, so it kind of jumped, you know, it was spooked, and it, he nicked it, and it took off. So they had to track it pretty much all day. We uh, while they were doing that, I was hanging out in, in the truck, and because uh, I just I was I was spent because he Herman likes to walk. <laughs> so we walked like that day probably about five and a half six miles just wow. me and him and and he wore me out i wasn't used to doing that anymore and this is starting to be toward the end of your hunt right you're getting to the end of the five days yeah this was the uh second from last day okay so i i got up and used the bathroom right quick and then i slowly walked over to him and then He's like, good thing you walked slowly over here. And he's like, look in this tree right over here. And there was a big green snake right there. Ugh. It was a boom slang is what they call it. And very venomous. It's pretty much like a black uh, mamba. I was like, Ugh. oh, Lord. <laughs> I was like, I hope that thing stays over there, you know. We slowly walked back to our chairs. We, we brought chairs out there, and we we're just sitting by a tree. Uh, he's like, Charles, do not move. I was like. Okay. <laughs> don't tell me that, man. <laughs> and he's like, don't move. He's like, look in front. And like f- maybe about 10 yards in front of us, that, that boom slang comes sliding across the ground. Oh, gosh. My heart just pretty much stopped. Because if you move, if you try to run, they have a long striking distance. I didn't do nothing. I just stood there. Like, I was pretty much white as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> And it comes sliding up, and there's this hole in the ground, and it went in the hole in front of us about 10 yards from us. And he takes the bop, the tripod, he takes it over there, and he starts pushing the ground into the hole. And then he takes his foot and stomps on the hole to cover that snake. And he's like, uh, you all right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you hungry? And I'm like, yeah, let's get the you-know-what out of here. <laughs> I was like – it's time to go. Yeah. So I was telling him, I was like, hey, you know, we should all go back out there the next day, like early in the morning, like six in the morning. He's like, okay, we'll do that. We were leaving out, and I was like, that Nala is very beautiful. I, I just don't want a warthog anymore. I was like, I want that Nala. And he's like, okay, this is what we'll do. He gave me a good deal on it. I had to pay a little bit extra for it, but it was totally worth it. That evening, Sean, you know, my buddy, he, he he hadn't seen nothing. He was getting a little but, frustrated. At the yeah, end. a little frustrated. Um, you know, he was he wasn't having the luck that you know at first I had, and then my my luck kind of went down. But you know, we saw different animals and stuff. We saw some impala males, and they tracked a little bit of them. Couldn't get to them. They just as soon as you get close, they'd take off running. And then um, they're pretty fast. They're like antelope pretty much. They're, they're pretty quick. By chance, we were driving down this one road at the very back end of one section of his property. We look about maybe 800 yards up the road, up the dirt road there, and there was an impala up there. My buddy and my guide got out of the truck and walked all the way up there, and it was getting dark. And then they finally got up there. And right when it got dark, he, he got his impala mail. Oh, so he did get something and didn't get skunked. No, he he, he didn't get skunked. Uh, I mean, they would have made sure he didn't. Right. You know, 
So he, he got that in Palomel right at dark. And then the next morning we got up. All four of us went back to the place where I saw, we saw that snake, that Nala, and those other warthogs. And we come walking up to where we were. We left our chairs out there, and we was like, where's that spot where that snake was, you know? <laughs> All you can think about at this point is this big old snake that's out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're looking for it, and he's like, where did I step on the, on the dirt to pack it in? And I was like, right there, and there was a big hole. Oh, no, so it came back out. <laughs> so he, that snake got out. And uh, we're like looking in the trees and all four of us was sitting in that spot where we're, we saw the snake prior, the prior day. And then they come in and feed the cattle and they drive off to another plot and feed dirt, feed the other cattle and everything. And then here comes that Nala. They come across the road. I guess they, the wind blew just the right direction. They smelled us and ran back the uh, direction they came from. About, I would say, 15, 10, 15 minutes later, here come the female. That Nala just barely made the road, the edge of the road, and he whistled. And once he whistled, the Nala looked our direction. And once that happened, I just I pulled the trigger. and Then it was lights out. It was pretty much the Nala came off all fours. And, oh wow! And hit his head on the back of the tree. <laughs> wow! So it was a pretty good uh, little flippy flop there with it. Yeah, he did a little flip, and <laughs> then he ran off maybe about ten yards, fifteen, ten to twenty yards away from the road. We walked up on him, and there he was. And I was like, Whew. I was all excited, and he was all excited. We we're hugging, and he's like, "You just stay here, and I'll go get the truck." And I was like, "Okay." Well, all of a sudden, I hear pow. Five minutes later, ten minutes later, Sean had got a warthog. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So it was really successful for both of you, and you kind of got a couple of animals each, and you're having them sent back? Uh, yeah. Um, they're over there right now at a, it's a taxidermist over there. It's called Field and Stream. Uh, they do like almost 2,300 animals a year. Wow. Would you say after the few days that you spent in South Africa at Lianga Safaris, would you say yes, if you had the opportunity, go take this safari? Uh, most definitely. I, I would recommend it. It's a hunt of a lifetime. If you're a, a big hunter and you have the opportunity to do it, I would. Uh, LiangaSafaris.com is where you're going uh, online, or the Facebook group is Lianga Safaris. And uh, Herman's actually going to be over here in January in Denver, right? Uh, there's a Sportsman's Expo down there at the convention center, Colorado. I think it's Colorado Conventions. It's right downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went last year and met him and linked up with him and you know talked to him and uh, hung out in Denver for <laughs> three or four days. And then uh, uh, decided on what dates I wanted. And he's like, well, this would be a good date for you to do. You know, that way I could get my passport at a timely manner and get all the situation that I needed to get done before I actually went over there. Well, Bud, man, I appreciate you telling the story. And and definitely, if you're a veteran, you're in our area, you're listening to the show, uh, hit up Hunting with Heroes or HD Outdoors, any of the other outdoor uh, groups, just because, you know, they're, they're there to take care of the veterans. And, you know, we appreciate all that you guys do. Yeah, thanks a lot. 
You got it, bud. All right. Thanks again for tuning in to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, presented by Rocky Mountain Discount Sports and Brooks Company. If you missed any of the show, you can go catch it tomorrow on demand on the radio station's app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.